head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 262 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcast, Shawnee Quarantine, Shawnee Content, Content King. Loads of names. Joined today by the Sophia Franklin of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about maybe the most normal week of MMA we've had in a long time, getting a little bit back to normal um, in uh, in the world of MMA and in Ireland as well a little bit, although in America it's gone a bit mad altogether, but sure, look, we'll uh, we'll talk about the MMA anyway and we'll, we'll discuss a bit more. Graham, how are you? You're, uh, uh, actually, if I must uh, explain, well, my internet was fucking gone for the last week, but thankfully it's back now. But Graham, you're a bit sick, yeah? Is it the Rona or is it just the hair fever? <laughs> yeah, no, every every summer I got hay fever and my nose gets all, all fucked. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's why I sound a bit strange, probably. Is that why you didn't wish me a happy birthday this week as well? Uh, your birthday was, what, 30 odd years ago? <laughs> Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with 30. Living in the past. Living in the past. <laughs> we'll call it 30, yeah. Sorry, uh, <laughs> hashtag pray Happy for birthday Graham. anniversary. <laughs> Sound anniversary of your birth. Yeah, that's my, uh, my favourite one. But anyway, yeah, I suppose, like, it was a beautiful week. I, I got, I think it was the last time we were talking, I got a little bit burnt. And then I got burnt once more since. But now I'm just going brown all the time, so it's great. I've reached that stage where I'm just tanning up, so it's fantastic. Sitting out the back there. Bit of, uh, bit of Archer Thieves light. Bit of sun, bit of vitamin D, take away the Rona, so perfect. What more yeah, I've only want? had that uh, Orchard Thieves light once and it tasted very strange, but I might, might try it again. I, I, I always like I think it's the same thing as Orchard Thieves, but I've always been one of these people. I don't who, know, it tastes a lot different than Orchard Thieves. I so. don't know, I think it's the same. Like, I never minded Diet Coke either. I know it tastes different than normal Coke, but a lot of people just hate it. I just like Diet Coke, so. I'm, yeah, I don't like Diet Coke, but I like Coke Zero. Oh, Diet Coke, Coke just tastes lovely. completely different than, than Coke. It, it I does, like the way yeah. Coke Zero just tastes very similar to Coke. It does, yeah. It's quite, like, I don't understand why anyone would drink normal coke now like when coke zero exists it just makes no sense i don't know, I don't know. do you like uh are you a fan of coke cherry um dr pepper no the cherry coke <laughs> yeah well doctor, everyone likes dr pepper oh no they don't actually i suppose cherry coke is dr yeah. pepper i suppose yeah yeah i wouldn't actually never get it i never get it but i'd always go for for a coke a coke zero yeah, cherry. It's all cherry coke. coke oh, actually, it's not all coke zero. I got one once and I got stunned by it. Fuck's sake! But yeah, you can get cherry coke zero. Delicious. Anyway, um, yeah. So I suppose <clears throat> we've been starting this podcast for the last while, and uh, fair play to Patrick. Actually, stepped in last week. He did a good job, and people were calling for your head, Graham, saying, "No, get Graham out, get Patrick in the whole time, nonstop." So, and you better fucking rise to the occasion now. Good this idea. Week, good idea. That's work for me. <laughs> You better rise to the occasion. Uh, you know, we've started this podcast the last while um, t- talking about the the so uh, the social distancing protocols and all that around the UFC and being, you know, very, very critical of them. 
and I haven't really much to be critical of this week. The one thing I never really saw much of, maybe it was because I was out sunning myself and all, but I didn't really see much of fight week. I didn't really see people putting up videos of getting tested and all, and people being around the hotel with each other. I didn't see much of that, to be honest. Um, but what I did see on Saturday night <coughs> was way more masks being worn. Um, the the commentator has been split up a lot more. There were screens up in front of my saw Daniel Cormier putting up a, a picture of it. Uh, they did the interviews outside of the cage from a distance. All good things, you know. All good. Things. There's not like a fault UFC for on on Saturday night. They did exactly what I wanted. Like we've been talking for the last while and saying this is the sort of thing they need to do. Um, okay, they're they're still not bringing the people in early enough, I think, but they're testing them. Uh, before on the week before twice, I believe now, which is uh, an upgrade as well. And it seems like the Nevada State Athletic Commission have stepped in and are being the adult in the room that we spoke about before, and they're yeah. bringing in this protocol. And and Herb Dean was uh, big on the social distancing during the main event as well. Why? What is that? He kept breaking up every grappling exchange against the cage. Or, well, you yeah. better work or break it up. It's like so strange. Was it at the start of the main event as well? He was like, "I protect myself at all times." <laughs> 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 yeah, I like that. Come on, Herb. Yeah. But, like I, I, I know. I'm joking, but I hate when, like, you know, okay, if they're lying on the ground doing absolutely nothing for like a full couple of minutes or something, okay. But if they're up against the cage grappling, you know. Uh, it seemed like he was trying to give Woodley a chance to throw his hands. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's get into the main event so all together because uh, I'm sure we'll, things will come up again. But I, I found this main event kind of hard to watch in terms of like it kind of it, from the very start it went one way and I thought okay Woodley still if Burns got tired I thought Woodley had the ability to knock him out. He still carries the power, um, but it was just like. We look at a fighter, and I I put it out on Twitter there last night that this isn't Tyron Tyre Woodley and Tyron Woodley anymore. And I saw a few people, my, my boy Scrubius Paper replying, he's like, no, this is always the same Tyron Woodley, uh, where he will wait and wait and wait, and he'll try to hit you with a big shot, and if he doesn't, he'll just throw nothing for the whole fight, which is true in one way. But the big difference, I think, here is you're fighting, you're not, you're not fighting Wonderboy here, or you're not like an early day Tyron Woodley. Or you're fighting... Someone who is literally attacking you non-stop and pushing you back and throwing shots. Like, isn't that exactly what a counter-puncher, a, a power counter-puncher like Tyron Woodley exactly wants? Like, this is this is the worst game plan you could have against the prime Tyron Woodley, really, I think. Like, the, 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 the reason... Think so? yeah. I, I, think, I think it was Shawan Humes on Twitter. Uh, could be wrong, but I think it was. He said, uh, I think it was in the in the first round, he said, oh, you can see Woodley hasn't actually wrestled properly in years. He just got so used to not wrestling that... Yeah, that was... A... All of a sudden, it was like, oh, shit. And Gilbert Burns <laughs> is like, oh, he's a lot better than I thought. He's a lot better at everything than I thought. And he's a lot better grappling than I thought. And I'm kind of fucked here. That was kind of the look on Woodley's face to me. He, uh, do you know what I thought during the fight? It was like, Tyron Woodley spent 10 rounds fighting wonder by thompson and he spent every second of every fight afterwards fighting wonder by as well you know it's weird it's like he he to me i, I called him the smartest uh, game planner in mma around that time and i think he was against wonder by in those two fights but he's he's never stopped fighting wonder by i think you know that's the fight he's kept fighting since because it worked so well for him in that fight but you can't fight gilbert burns the same way you fight fought wonder by you know you can't fight damian maya the same way you fought wonder by like the damian maya fight was a bit different because he hurt his shoulder and everything like that but i just think like you when you're fighting Usman, right and you get taken down so easily uh over and over and over when you're fighting gilbert burns and and 
so you're you you're a strong wrestler who becomes a very good counter striker, right? In one fight, you get taken down five rounds in a row, destroyed as a wrestler. In the next fight, you get pushed back and get destroyed by an attacking fighter, which is exactly what you want to fight, or for five full rounds, like. Tyron Woodley got beaten he's good at two things counter striking and wrestling and he got beaten in both those things over 10 rounds in two fights in a row like (laughs) you know we talked about it last week and a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned it on Twitter like this fight will tell if Tyron Woodley has fallen off a cliff or not and I think I think he's fallen off a cliff to be honest I I just I, I don't think Gilbert Burns is a very very good fighter he's improved an awful lot but like I don't think Gilbert Burns is a world championship fighter. No, I might be wrong. He might go out and win it. If he I think he surprised, he surprised me, Burns, with with, uh, with his striking. And it's just all-round game. It's definitely massively improved. And I think I think he's actually... Um, he's kind of... His body type kind of fits the, the welterweight now. And, and, you know, I think it, just, it kind of just shows uh, partly as well how stacked that 55 division is, how talented those guys are. Like, you know, mm-hmm. usually if a guy goes up 15 pounds, you'd be like, ah, I hear... But in, in that division of going up is uh, is, a, is a big thing. But I also think um, about the point of Woodley being finished. He was out for like over a year, and like we see we see a lot. Like no matter how much Dominic Cruz says it, and Kedros is definitely a thing. And uh, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the thing that Schwan Humes was saying about Woodley hadn't wrestled in a long time, and he kind of maybe got caught a bit unawares by uh, by how good Gilbert Burns was. And he, as you said, he tried to kind of fight that that Wonder Boy fight that uh, that he's been fighting, but. Uh, um, yeah, I think he didn't really have a plan B. You mentioned he used to be one of the kind of best game planners, but when it kind of wasn't going well, he 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 didn't really have a plan B. Bar, oh, I'm gonna have to try and knock this guy out. And even when he was trying to do that, he he spent way too much time in in, in grappling sequences and just didn't really seem to have an answer for for what Gilbert Burns was, was bringing. And Gilbert Burns did give him chances. You know, Gilbert Burns was like the first round was 10-8 probably and then the rest of the rounds were pretty clear for him as well and he still stood there and went forward and tried to you know keep the pressure on Tyron Woodley even though he could have just kind of coasted yeah like I I don't know I I find it hard like maybe we'll analyze this fight differently down the road and maybe before Gilbert Burns' next fight and it'll be a little bit different but I find it hard to not look at this from a Tyron Woodley point of view to be honest I just think I just think he he like he, he he fucking it's like you know in cricket they go out and they, they take one shot and they get a fucking golden duck and that's it and they, they don't do anything else like Woodley did nothing like he just did nothing for the whole fight in in the fifth round I was like like Woodley's game plan is never to let his hands go basically his, his game plan is to let his hands go twice around at most and in the third round he's threw about five or six shots and hit him with one hard shot but that was it really it was just like like I thought Woodley was slower than he normally is as well I don't think he was you know, taking he, he like he wasn't taking the openings that Gilbert Burns was given. Like Gilbert Burns, look, Gilbert Burns did a good job. I thought he was jabbed really well. He pushed forward really well, but like mm. he threw some <laughs> sloppy kicks that you yeah. think Woodley would have tried to capitalize on and counter, but he just kind of didn't. Yeah, I he just played on on the outside and yeah. I'm still not overly impressed with Gilbert Burns. A very very good fighter. Don't take nothing away from him, but I don't know. I just like I feel like if Gilbert Burns did this to. Uh, Usman, or he did this to Masvidal or something like that. I would be hugely impressed, but I, I, I'm hugely impressed right now. But I, I just can't. I just, 
don't think Tyron Woodley is the same guy he once was. Like, Tyron Woodley isn't a guy who lets you push him back and he won't counter you with big shots when you're leaving yourself open for him. He, he's not a guy who gets fucking double-legged right in the middle of the cage. He has been for his last two fights, yes. But before that, he, that's that's not what Tyron Woodley is, you know. I, I don't know. I feel, it feels like it's not the same fighter at all. Yeah, and, well, you know, when you're, when you're 38 years old and you've already been the champion... And- yeah. You're looking around at these other guys like Usman who just ran through you and you're thinking, hmm, I yeah. don't know, it's not the same drive and fire inside maybe. And also, you know, he's been out for a while and there's been kind of a number of factors. Yeah, someone said as and well. Maybe a little bit of underestimating Gilbert Burns as well. Like, but yeah. I think even if he hadn't of, I think Gilbert Burns just had the skill set to beat him. Yeah, someone said, you know, I said it's not the same time, Woody, and someone says, yeah, it's Rashad Evans. And it kind of reminds you of that. Like, Rashad even said that himself after he won the title. It's like, right, I thought everything was going to be different, but it's not. It's And he just kind of went off a cliff then soon after. But I think on Gilbert Burns as well, you know, you mentioned there, gone up in weight, suits some people, it doesn't suit other people. Like, you see people all the time, like Paria, perfect example, went up to 155, suited him brilliantly. I think McGregor's an example on both sides, went up to 155, suited him brilliantly. 170, I don't think he, well, his last fight he was good, but I don't think the Nate Diaz fight suited him. Like, it, it just some people, it, it suits him better. It seems to suit Gilbert Burns. I, Burns looked big in there. He looked as big as Woodley, and I didn't think he was he was going to look like that. So, uh, yeah, it definitely suits him. And he's like he's trouble. I'd love to see him fight someone like a Ponzinibbio or fight um, fight Colby Covington or something like that. I think he's up around that range now. So I was very, uh, I'm I'm very impressed with his, um, uh, uh, you know, his re up kind of. He reminds, you know, reminds me a little bit of Rafael dos Anjos coming through that time where he was like. Just another guy in the rankings in the top 15, maybe. And then he kind of blew up immediately. I, I think Gilbert Burns might be a little bit similar to that in terms of, like, he's he, he just found a way to fight and it, it really suits him. And if... See, the problem is the, the wrestlers at the top of the division um, are going to be an issue for him. But his jiu-jitsu is very good as well. But, like, is jiu-jitsu going to take you there if you get uh, taken down by Usman over and over if you get taken down by Colby Covington over and over probably not so I think that'll be the issue for him but he's striking it seems to be a problem for people as well so like it's 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 all good for Gilbert Burns at the moment maybe we're being a, a little bit unfair on him because of of who he's fighting and the way uh the way they fought but um yeah well we're talking more about Woodley but it definitely was a really good performance like the probably the best performance of, of Burns's career um and you know, uh, Woodley, we're criticising him a lot here, but he is a recent champion, so it is a, yeah. a huge, huge scalp for for Gilbert Burns. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, right, let's talk about some of the other fights. Um, Augustus Sakai versus Belay Ivanov was just shite. Like, just how was this co-main event? Like, I, I oh god, the heavyweight division is so bad. Not to be negative here, I think, but I think this is the number twelve and number thirteen ranked fighters in the division. It's like. God almighty, it was just this terrible pushing lads against the cage and just sweating on top of each other. And when it got, when it went past one round, you just knew it was going to be terrible. And it was just yeah. not good at all. Not good. Well, yeah, Ivanov's had a lot of kind of similar fights to this. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kind of as expected. Not great. Actually, before we move on, what what would you uh, what would you score? What would you rank the main event, Burns versus Woodley? Oh, uh, four. Rookie score. Yeah, I... I'm going to give it a 5.1 because I think Burns... It probably would have been lower in terms of the enjoyment of the fight and all. But I thought Burns put on a a very good performance. It was a one-sided performance. And usually when they're one-sided, I give it between a 5 and a 6. And it wasn't the most exciting either. So I'm giving it a... 
I'm giving it a 5.1. Um, then Billy Quarantillo versus Spike Carlisle. This is a fucking mad fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is insane. What did you think? Yeah, a bit of no- the Noah McGrath to, to Spike. Kind of rug- rugby style. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of barreling in there. Yeah. Hoping for the best. <laughs> I love the way he started the fight. Just ran across the octagon yeah. and threw a fucking soul at your man's face. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, yeah, he just didn't have the, the, the cardio to keep that, to keep up this in, insane uh, smashing style for, for 15 minutes. And uh, in fairness to, uh, I don't know how, this, how you say his name. I don't think he knows how to say no, his he name. Doesn't. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> he said his own name tw- uh, different twice yeah, in one did, sentence. Yeah. So uh... I don't think he knows. It's like Brendan Lachnan when I was talking to him. It's like Lachnan. I don't. I don't know how to say. It. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like a lot of people are talking about the decision here. Uh, I haven't watched it back closely, and I was tired at the time. But like, if it, it felt to me like a very much a fight of two halves, where as you said, Carlisle got tired about the halfway point, and Quarantillo won the third. Or Cornillo, sorry, won the third and then won like half of the second as well. So you know, it was one of those. But yeah, overall, uh, overall a very good fight, very very fun fight. So I uh, not not much to complain about that. Uh, it was a catchweight as well, one fifty. And just seen here in the Roosevelt Roberts Brock Weaver fight was also a catchweight of one fifty seven point five. So that's good. I like to see him doing that. So I have no problem doing that. Although I think one of them missed weight at some stage. But anyway, um, yeah, that Roosevelt like Roosevelt Roberts. I was very impressed with him. He won in the in the second round against Brock Weaver, who's a very very tough guy. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of groundwork in that, and a lot of uh, Roosevelt Roberts going for. Um, and going for submissions, and I thought he did very well uh, to in the end to get one. But he he was like he was caught in or um, Weaver was caught in uh, uh, an anaconda, I think, at one stage or a darts at one stage as well, and he ended up getting him in a rear naked choke. But he took a lot of damage. Uh, did Brock Weaver and that like Roosevelt Roberts upcoming here in the I suppose it'd be the one forty five division. Um, Ten and one now. Only lost to Vince Pichel a couple of years ago. You know, I was beating Alexander Yakovlev as well, and beating Daryl Harter, who came in and was it Khabib he fought and gave him fits? Maybe not, but um, he's he's a good he's a good guy coming through as well. The the forty third president of the United States of America, Roosevelt Roberts, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he like in fairness to him, he looked he looked good. Like you know, uh, obviously he's he's early in his career, but he showed a well roundness, uh, well roundedness and calmness as well. But obviously, uh, he'll he'll run into much harder tests than uh, than this in the UFC. But uh, I think maybe you know he he, he had that loss of Vince Pichel uh, by decision, but I think you can see that he, he looks to have improved since then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like you know he's he's one to keep an eye on, like uh, early in his career, but one who he's well rounded. It's hard to know though, like you know until these guys step up against somebody who who's kind of a known quantity more than you know Brock Weaver is not really much of a known quantity, mm-hmm. but but. You know, if if he keeps improving and you know um, shows well roundedness and calmness, then you know he's he's definitely a, a good prospect. He's only twenty six. Mm-hmm. Very good, very true. He has a good body. To, he has a good body type for. Uh, yeah, he does. He's big and strong. He seems to have good cardio as well, and can keep going and throw a lot. So yeah, like he, he's an all going for you. I think that's very important as well. Maybe people overlook it. You're. The body type, like John Jones's body type, is obviously very, very good for Perfect, uh, for MMA. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the calves. <laughs> I know you get over that. But Actually, like... did you hear Justin Gaethje talking about calf kicks on um? No, on I the didn't. Joe Rogan podcast. What he was saying he basically never, never going to throw a kick to the knee again. He's just going to throw to the calf because it's so much more devastating and it's harder to check. And basically, 
can't injure yourself. And mm-hmm. he's, he's referenced um, that Brent Primus, uh, Mike Chandler, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the old the old pull the seat out from under him trick mm-hmm. that fight. <laughs> and you know, you think back to the Mark Jacquesi fight against Strakar Close as well, and a few others that like, don't come to mind. But even one of those leg kicks or calf kicks is much more devastating than then because keep people are conditioned to take these normal knee leg kicks yeah but they're not conditioned to take these calf kicks mm-hmm. isn't that weird though because that has only I, i'm sure someone said oh well actually in 1978 uh bruce lee but it's only something that's come into the ufc as like a major weapon in the last few years since that dracker close um uh jkc fight it's it's crazy, isn't it? It's like it's become the go-to leg kick now, and the most most fruitful one, if you want to, to call it that. And uh, it's it's cool to see new things emerge like that. And uh, yeah, like obviously, uh, Gaethje one of the best in the world at it. So yeah, it's uh, not surprising at all that he says that. But yeah. yeah, but he was one of the best at you know regular leg kicks. He like was, yeah. if you remember back to the World Series of Fighting, he was like one of his, if not his main weapon, mm-hmm. to set everything up. Yeah, and he's completely abandoned that for for this. Uh, these calf kicks and it makes sense like you know mm-hmm. you, you see the we see loads of leg kicks and you know after maybe four or five hard ones you might notice the guy hobbling but with four or five hard calf kicks the guy the guy being a heap mm-hmm. 100% speaking of world class strikers as well McKinsey Dern my girl came in here in the uh, in the start of the uh, the, the main card I, I thought she, like, at the start, obviously, Hannah Cyphers came out and she was fucking throwing hands. She stopped the takedown. She was, like, hell-bent on beating McKinsey Dern. And I was very, very impressed with Dern's ability to just stand up to her and to take her shot and then throw back her own. Um, I thought she hurt her. She, she kind of didn't but, even defend it at the start, though, the, the leg lock in the end. Um, she kind of just gave it to Dern. I, I think people completely missed this. Like, McKinsey Darn hit her with a big fucking shot right down through the middle and they got into a grappling um they got into a grappling scenario in the middle of the cage and everyone said, Oh, why did Cyphers grapple her? Why did she try to take her down? It's like, did you just miss McKinsey Darn fucking rocking her? Like who the I don't know maybe I was talking on the podcast or on the Q and A or something during the week. It's like, well, you know, I I get loads of shit and deservedly so for saying jujitsu doesn't work at the at the top of MMA or whatever, but Jiu-Jitsu is fucking unbelievable if you stun someone before and you have them hurt and there's like a five second gap between their brain realising they're being hurt and them kind of coming around. That's do you like, think it was that big of an impact? Yeah, yeah I do. I, she hit her fucking hard. Watch it again. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like, it, you know, she didn't knock her down or it was close to knock her out or anything, but it was one where she stunned and it's just that one second where you're into a grappling fucking debate with McKinsey Dern and she pulls you down by the shoulder and gets you down and goes for the armbar and then goes down and gets, uh, goes for the, the leg lock or the heel hook first or whatever it was and then the leg lock. It's like once you get into that and it only takes one second and like, all you like if McKinsey Darn lands a big jab inside, she hits her in the nose and she's stunned for a second, and then it gets into uh, a clinch. Like that's enough for someone as good as McKinsey Darn. If see the problem with McKinsey Darn, I think a long a lot of the time is I think her striking has been proven a lot. We can write off that next or that last fight now, I think, because uh, Amanda Heba, I think it was Amanda Heba, wasn't it? She's fantastic. She's like Team Sheehan now, very very good. And McKinsey Darn was just coming back, so I think like I think that's that's a tough fight for McKinsey Dern at any time um, and especially right then I, I think you can just write that fight off now um, in terms of McKinsey Dern's performance Amanda Hebes definitely deserves the uh, the win she's very good but like I think McKinsey Dern's striking has improved an awful lot she's a very good striker and if she can find 
the ways from like I, I've said it loads of times and I think you know everyone it's not just me but there's the in-between bits in MMA are the big thing like her striking is good now and we all know her grappling she's probably the best female jiu-jitsu player in the world I know someone will probably disagree with me but she's up there anyway if she can get it from her striking to the grappling that's that's the key for Mackenzie Dern and the key to me is stunning people like that and hurting people that's a very good way of doing it also the the way she got the uh, the takedown Ronda Rousey style you know with the, the fucking judo throw over the shoulder that's a very good way of doing it if she improves her wrestling and is able to get people down like it's it's all looking good for Mackenzie Dern still young in her career you know still I, I'm sure people will will look at her striking and see there's still issues but I, I like the way she just throws hard straight shots down the middle nothing too fancy or too big about her threw a lovely uppercut as well at one stage you know all kind of old school boxing shots trying to keep her hands up and not getting hit too much like i like that sort of style for someone like that's how you get jujitsu to work in mma i think be not just defensive everywhere else but offensive in a way that it if it goes wrong it's wrong in a way that will turn right for you quickly do you know what i mean because if oh if someone knocks her down oh great come into my guard i i have you there so i don't know maybe, maybe i'm overboard i've I always had a soft spot for mckenzie darn i think she's very good but what do you what do you think am i going overboard in her? well yeah i think it's still early days you know the 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 people should be fighting at the top of the division you know you'll need to have i think they mentioned in the broadcast themselves that she said that you know the the it's much harder to take somebody down in, in MMA than it is in, yeah. in jiu-jitsu. People kind of just accept it's going to go to the ground and they don't really mind being on their back or mm-hmm. whatever, and they're having their guard in, in jiu-jitsu. But in, in MMA, like all these other girls that are fighting her are going to be just doing everything in their power to stay away from from her takedowns. And her striking looks okay, but as she goes up the, to the upper echelon, it's, it's, it's going to need to improve a lot and she's going to need to... Like she always has the opportunity when you're that good at jiu-jitsu just to kind of drop under somebody or grab some grab something and, and scramble and, or reverse or even get something from the ground. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think there's still, there's still a bit of a way to go there. Yeah. Nah, there's definitely still a bit of a way to go. She but, uh, like she made weight this time, but she still needs to make weight consistently as well. Yeah, I think they were saying that she was 116 pounds like all week. So she seems to be back in shape and everything like that. So, you know, maybe... You know, maybe having you know having the baby and putting her in um, where she has to be like in a routine that might be good for someone like McKinsey there who has struggled with weight before. So even like you'd never know. But um, yeah, look, I thought she looked very good. I couldn't take anything away from her. And I thought Cyphers came out and she tried as well. She she did her best, and uh, she's not someone who just came in there to lose. She came in there to win, and I thought uh, I thought she did well as well. And McKinsey Dern just came through it. But anyway. Um, then your your girl Caitlin Chukagan against Antonina Shevchenko. Like Antonina Shevchenko to me is the exact opposite of someone like Mackenzie Dern, who's attempting to become a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Whether she gets there or not, who knows? But Antonina Shevchenko is just like she's getting taken down by Caitlin Chukagan. I think it was Phil Murphy said yesterday on Twitter that it was the first ever takedown for Caitlin Chukagan in the UFC, and she got like eight of them. <laughs> well, not even that yeah. many, like three of them. It was just body easy. lock takedowns. Yeah, she yeah. Uh, she's just much more well rounded, and I think Shevchenko. Everybody knows that she's she's not good at all on the ground. Mm-hmm. She showed a little bit more, maybe like she she showed, maybe I I thought once she had her back taken in the first round that that was going to be it, mm-hmm. just from how bad she's looked on the ground before. But um, she's obviously been been working a little bit, but there's still a very long way to go. And, and Chukagan is very like you know she obviously. As you mentioned, they were first takedowns in in the UFC, but she's she's a much she's much more of a well-rounded martial artist, mixed martial artist than uh, Shushenko is obviously a, a Muay Thai uh, champion for years and all that, and it will take time. But you know, uh, I think 
it just kind of shows how how far do her sister uh, uh, Valentina Shushenko is ahead of everybody what she did to to Caitlin Dukagan. Yeah, and I think it kind of makes Antonia look a bit worse as well because she's uh, Valentina's sister, and there's always going to be that comparison. Like so, and that's a bit unfortunate for her. But you know, she's she's not a good mixed martial arts fighter. Let's just put it that way. Like Chukagan is, Chukagan is, you know, she because she lacks so much. I suppose people give her a, a hard time, but you know, she's well rounded. She's a good fighter. Uh, never going to be a world champion or anything like that. But she'll always probably be in the top fifteen, top top 10 so you know for someone like Shevchenko who you know maybe she can improve in in, in future but right now she's just uh, a kickboxer uh, who's not an MMA fighter um, in terms of like the top level anyway uh, so when you get someone like Chukagan who is well-rounded and can do it all it's it's going to be easy I thought Chukagan won the first two 10-8 I thought the third was close Chukagan didn't take her down until very late and I thought Shevchenko was winning it until that point like, I just gave the round to Shevchenko, although I, I've probably gone back out watching it again, it could be different. But I didn't think Chukagan landed that many on the ground at the end. I think she was just kind of whiffing a lot of them and Shevchenko was blocking them. But if she, you know, I could go back and watch it again and, and I might be wrong, but it was oh, whatever anyway. It, doesn't, it didn't really matter. Chukagan won it, uh, pulling away. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez, Gabriel Green. I didn't take notes for him. I can't remember what happened. What, do you remember um, that fight? Daniel Rodriguez kind of just outclassed Green, but Green just kind of bit down on the, the mouthpiece and tried to swing, tried to put pressure on and swing for the fences and was definitely, in the third round, he was going for, uh, like, you know, he, he let it all hang out, as they say, but uh, he just got outclassed by Rodriguez. Fair play to him. Jamal Hill, I thought Jamal Hill looked very good as well. He was, uh, Andy Stevenson's interviewed him a couple of times over on uh, Severe Man, YouTube and stuff. So he's, uh, he looks like a really good prospect in the light heavyweight division. I think he's 7, 8 now or something like that now. But, uh, another guy who's a good shape, tall, long, powerful, nice jab. Yeah. Beating a guy. I needed a body. I love needed the body. You, yeah. you don't see them that often, but when they, when they do, you really see how devastating they can be. He did a great, and he's smart as well because he did a perfect job of picking apart the BJJ player. You know, this guy who's coming in, plan A to get it to the ground and go for a go for a submission. And you know, if you're not smart and you're not uh, a good game planner, that that will beat you. Um, but it didn't beat Jamal Hill because he is both technically good, well-rounded, and smart. So I, I, I rate him as a as a top striker. Like come, come straight out, and he almost knocked him out, <laughs> and then uh, and then he eventually did with the as you said, knee to the body, and then the punches afterwards. So very good. Uh, I really enjoyed this Brandon Royval uh, Tim Elliott fight. Also, it got me and Liam McCarthy and had the Hardy Bucks on the ESPN broadcast, which. <laughs> Did you see that? I, I tweeted out Tim Elliott is as mad as a bag of spiders and they put it up on the ESPN broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't notice now. I, I, like at the first time when I think it was the was it the a few cards ago they started doing this, it was real it was real like you couldn't take your I couldn't not see it, but now I've mm-hmm. kind of learned to ignore it. Yeah, I I I just saw because it, it was me. I was like, What? <laughs> Weird. I've I've kind of done that as well. But someone I think it was Jake Smith was saying like they didn't put another one up for like an hour afterwards. <laughs> Maybe they realized it was kind of a joke, like a fucking troll or whatever. But it wasn't really. It's was true. Tim Elliott is as mad as a bag of spiders, and uh, he showed that again here. Came in like Brandon Royville for for your UFC debut to be fighting Tim Elliott and to choke him out, even though Tim Elliott did get a little bit tired. 
you have to put Ran- Ran- Rival right up there. You know, in the, I think Daniel Cormier said it. You're going to have a number by your name uh, come next Windsor, whatever it was. And you probably have to agree. There aren't that many people in the flyweight division, I know. But Rival looks a real prospect, doesn't he? When you go in there and you, you beat Tim Elliott like that. Yeah, he overcame say? adversity as well. You know, yeah. it was definitely... It was a storm that came early and he was, you know, he was getting... Out, outdone in, in a lot of positions and he just hung in there and you know he showed his class and Tim Elliott we, we've seen him like over the years he's he's an awkward style and you know uh, he's obviously uh, fought with the best of them including Demetrius Johnson so it's a huge win um, <clears throat> it's a huge win uh, for Brandon and you know I think I think it was him who said he wasn't he wasn't that happy with his performance yeah. so so hopefully it looks like he's one of those guys who's even in the biggest win of his career he's going to go back and take loads of uh, mm-hmm. loads of things from it and improve on so uh, or at least try to anyway so that's a really good sign in my yeah. opinion I love to see that yeah I love that I love, I love who was the, the Irish boxer who won like a bronze medal and he's like I don't even fucking want that I, what what good is that to me I like I love yeah. well, it they, see, they, they say if you see a guy smiling with a silver medal he probably won't be back yeah. the next time to get a gold mm-hmm. I like I love fucking winners like that I like I was said to uh, <laughs> to my friend if I was in the Olympics I'd rather come fourth than come second I'm like oh, why I, I, that... should they give you a bronze for fourth now these days oh, no? yeah they're they? doing boxing I think yeah but like I don't know I, and it's probably extremely harsh but like if you're like let's say you're looking at Michael Jordan or something like that like Michael Jordan would have no mass in a fucking silver medal like silver medal is great you know you're the second best person in the world but like if you're the second best person in the world, you're so good that it should, or it will, probably does, kill you not to be the best person in the world. You know, it's yeah. It's, it's actually you know, the Michael Jordan thing. It's funny the way he basically just admitted that he makes up, he made up a load of stories yeah. about guys protecting <laughs> him just to, just to get in his own head. Even yeah, I lo- he knew it was bullshit. Like I love the one. He's like in the restaurant and he like bumped into him. He's like it was at that point I knew that we were going to win the game. <laughs> like he didn't even do it. Like. <laughs> It's hilarious, yeah. What a great man. But, uh, I, like, I think a lot of people... Bisping used to do that as well. Remember, he was just, like, say people were fucking offended him and they, they didn't actually do anything. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, it wasn't like... It's not just a thing of, like, you know, oh, creating headlines, creating hype or whatever. It's yeah. just literally to motivate yourself yeah. even though you know it's not true. <laughs> you know it's not true, yeah. <laughs> uh, Casey Kenny, Lewis Malka. I like that fight. This was another fight as well where Casey Kenny hurt Lewis Smolka yeah right uh, before yeah. right before it went to the ground uh, Smolka went for a takedown because he was he was hurt and ended up getting getting guillotined very good by uh, by Casey one arm guillotine yeah one arm guillotine I miss maybe he did but I didn't hear it Daniel Carmay didn't mention Luke Rockhold he always mentions Luke Rockhold when there's a a one arm guillotine but anyway and for me the best performance of the whole night came in the first voice Chris Gutierrez I thought he was absolutely fantastic he looked brilliant very good kicks high and low he just fucked up the opponent's leg my boy uh my boy jason herzog stepped in and, and stopped it i think just about the right time like that was one of those fights again it's weird because jason herzog oh, actually cool. sorry which which was the with the herzog fight where he missed the blatant um the massive Sunscrap? grab oh yeah that was the even off fight was that Jason yeah, herzog that was, as well? that, yeah that was it that, that was herzog i think that that was actually huge in that fight we should have mentioned that because this is this was a split decision where one of the judges actually gave 30 27 for Ivanov for some reason but yeah. uh that could have been a huge like that was a huge thing like that you know it takes a lot of effort to try and throw somebody of Sakai size like that and then he just blatantly grabs a cage to stop it uh, yeah. and, and <laughs> Cormier starts screaming and I think uh, Herzog kind of heard him and went oh uh, 
don't grab the fence yeah, but did, yeah. you really really should have taken a point there i think it was a it was a blatant like it wasn't just i'm um, grabbing the fence a little it was i'm holding on to the cage stopping this takedown i really think that rule needs to be changed like i, I think it's too much to take a point for grabbing the cage like, but i like what we need to do it's i think there's an easy fix to that rule right let's say uh, uh, sakai was trying to take even of down not the other way around even i was trying to take i don't know whichever even I was t- trying to take Sakai down, right? And he grabs the fence. At that stage, Herzog breaks him up, right? And this is me making up my own rule. This is a rule I think should be instituted. I'm not saying this is part of the game. Put him on the ground in a position. What position, yeah. though? Either put him on the ground in his guard, right? Uh, just, you know, full guard. Or else put what him if standing. The guy's like fucking, what if the guy is like, you know, the best guard player yeah. and you're trying to keep away from that and you're you're trying to land in side control with, 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 with a throw or something? You give him two options. Give him to put him on the ground in his guard or put him back standing in the middle of the cage. I think that's fair. You give him two options to do it. If so if you're, a, if you're a jiu-jitsu guy, you kind of might as well grab the cage then? No, but if you're a jiu-jitsu guy, you'd be put right back in the middle of the cage if the other person chooses to do that. Yeah, but if he's trying to slam you down, like, you know, maybe steal around or something, you can just grab the cage there and happy days. But they're, they're doing that anyway. Like, what's stopping them from doing that now? At least yeah, well, then if, you if have it's the rules punishment. and you're breaking the rules, there should be some kind of punishment and there, and there wasn't for, for Sakai. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like taking away a point, like, that's taking away the whole round. I think that's too harsh. Like, I... I I, I I like these round these point deductions did, yeah, are for yeah in this fight it was like a close round but some round like some some fights it could be that you know the guy's all over him for four and a half minutes and then he grabs the cage and gets gets yeah, a point taken and it's a drawn round okay if it's completely you, I gotta say oh, it's your own fault you knew the rules yeah you know? if it's completely blatant or if it's like leave the rule the way it is right now the same right where if it's a completely blatant one you do take a point or if they do it three or four times you still do take a point so I leave it like that but then also add in. The way th- that I said they're given the choice of having it on the ground or standing. Like, w- the biggest problem with fouls like that, I think, is they, n- they don't get punished. You know you can cheat or you know you can play around with the rules and you're not going to get punished. You might get a warning or whatever. But in this way, every time the, the foul is committed, well, b- by my rule that I've made up, you would be... Uh, you, you know, something would happen. The other person would get the advantage wherever they wanted to put it on the feet or, or on the ground in, in your guard. Uh, like, I think that rule makes complete sense. Like, it's... I think that would... Maybe it wouldn't stop it, but it would... Um, it'd be like getting a yellow card in soccer, you know? You, every time something happened, there would be uh, a forfeit for it, or whatever you'd want to call it, but I don't know. I, yeah, I like... I do, uh, fin scrabs are, are weird. Eye pokes, a bit different, but I, I don't know. There's probably a way around it. It is hard, because sometimes, you know, they, they can put their hand out just naturally when they're being taken down, and their finger can go in a little bit, and it's not really, it's yeah, not really, a like, purposeful. Yeah. But sometimes they grab on, like, like, like mm-hmm. this, uh, this fight is different. But it is hard for the, the ref to judge. He's obviously looking at a, a number of things as it's going on and can miss something like that, mm-hmm. or can miss how blatant it was and not be sure if it was blatant or if it was just kind of coincidence yeah 100% uh, right before we move on to next week's card what did you think of uh, Henry Cejudo he's retired vacated his title gone over showed up on AEW the other day as I predicted there not too long ago do you think he'll be back do you think he's gone yeah he'll be back he'll be back why did he give up his belt though like uh, because um, I, I think he kind of said I'm retired and the UFC were like alright you know give us that then but like it feels like he he show, it wasn't a coincidence I don't think that he showed up in AEW like two days later it feels like he's actually has plans to do other things and that he's no interested in fighting at the moment or whatever maybe he'll be back yeah maybe at the moment but yeah I think you know 
I don't know, just history tells us that, that he'll be back. <laughs> say, let's say McGregor's a champion, right? And he gives up his belt and he says, and he decides in a year and a half time, I want to be back. If he was a champion, I know he's not champion, but like, I think McGregor can come back and still get as much money if he's champion or not champion. I don't think Cejudo can do that. Like, the, the big thing for a lot of champions is they get extra money because they're champions, they get pay-per-view points and everything like that. Like, is Henry Cejudo on that position where as a non-champion he can still get pay-per-view points? Like, I don't necessarily think so. Do you like do you, like he's had a bit of a mistake doing well, that? Yeah, sure well, because, because he's because he's like a smaller guy, and Dana has kind of shown that he that he doesn't care about these divisions as much. So, like you know, with Demetrius Johnson, like if Demetrius Johnson was was the champion of any other division, Dana White would have done a lot more to try and, to try and keep him there. Mm-hmm. So it is a risky game to who does playing, but you know, I just like and the, it is it is a, a an MMA retirement where you think there is a possibility he stays retired here. But if I if I had to bet on 50 50 odds i i definitely betting that we'd see him in in mma again we may we may never see him in in the ufc again but i think we'll definitely see him in mma yeah, i think it's interesting as well maybe the, probably the ufc as well yeah probably the ufc but this the champions clause now he i assume he doesn't have that anymore how many fights does he have left in his his deal it's it's i think it's interesting negotiation tactics there i wonder i wonder what his game is i find it hard to understand at the moment but I don't know. He's Ali Abdelaziz in his corner as well, which I don't know is a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest. But it's interesting to see uh, see what way it goes. And speaking of negotiations and all that, uh, myself and Patrick talked a little bit about the John Jones, Dana White thing last week, and it's kind of rumbled on. There's been lots of tweets and everything. I saw there was one very funny thing. There was like two buttons. Who to believe? John Jones, Dana White. <laughs> it's a hard, it's a hard one to uh, to know. But like, I think. This week, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on as well, but Dana White like scoffed at the notion of John Jones getting as much as Deontay Wilder when John Jones has drawn more than Deontay Wilder uh, at the box office numerous times. He's a better fighter than Deontay Wilder. He's <laughs> like he's definitely get, gotten more money for Deontay Wilder than or for the UFC than Deontay Wilder has, you know, earned any boxing promoters or anything like that. And Dana White thought it was absolutely ludicrous that he'd asked for that amount of money. John Jones said he didn't ask for that amount of money. It was a lot less. Dana White's just trying to tarnish his reputation, which is, yeah, <laughs> which is a funny one. Dana White came back with the obvious, tarnish your reputation. But uh, what did you think of the whole situation between Jones and, and Dana White? Um, yeah, I suppose UFC and Dana White just got used to paying tiny percentages to fighters and... Mm-hmm. Um, unless they absolutely have to or you know they're not going to they're not going to change things um you know you, we, we saw with nate diaz that you kind of really have to kind of go to war and not fight and do all these things and then get lucky as well like you know if the rda injury hadn't happened maybe who knows what happened with nate diaz it could have been the same thing as nick diaz it's a real risky thing to do to kind of go up against 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 dana um but dana just you know I think deep down he must know that like you know Jones is, is worth a lot more and all of these fighters are worth a lot more but it's just you know if you can get away with it and you're, you're in a business and you're trying to please bosses and stuff this is this is what you do and it's not unexpected from Dana White it's just the way it is yeah yeah like I, I I'd agree with that like Dana White he's made a couple of good points I think Dana White in fairness you can't say everything negative about him but like I think he is in the wrong in terms of, like, he should be paying John Jones a lot more money. But 
John Joe, I like I still don't believe John Joe. Like I, I don't believe still that he wants to go up and fight Francis Ngano. I just don't believe it. I, I just I'm sorry, I don't. I don't believe either of them. I think they're both lying through their feet. <laughs> like I, I I want that fight to happen more than anyone else. I've been calling for it for fucking years. I'd love that fight to happen, but I don't know. I just think like I, I think what John Jones tried to do here is make himself look better. You know, by calling out Francis Ngannou, the biggest, toughest guy in the world, uh, with very little intentions of actually doing it. And then it backfired badly on him because Dana White just started calling him out. We know when whether Dana's lying or not lying, we know people will believe him when he starts saying things like that. Because Dana White just is one of those guys where, where MMA has like this rabid fan base of people who will believe everything Dana White says. Now, I think that's changing a lot as well. I think it's a little bit different now, but they, they do still exist. So I think that's backfired on John Jones a little bit. And, what what has what he has wanted to happen? The exact opposite of that has happened, uh, in some ways. So I, I I think that's frustrating him a little bit as well, and it's a, it's an odd one. But uh, right, but let's get into UFC 250. But before that, someone asked us about um like the origins of Severe made the other day, and someone asked us about this goat the, the uh discussion as well that Conor McGregor started. We're going to do that over on Patreon. Um, I'm just telling Graham now, so we're going to have like a half an hour podcast on Patreon on Wednesday. Uh, so if you want to hear that discussion, sign up patreon.com forward slash severe main podcast. It's a good time as well if you're signing up, especially if you're listening to this on Monday. It's going to be the first of the month. Uh, so, uh, And if you're listening to this on Sunday, don't sign up today because you'll get charged twice. So wait until tomorrow. Sign up tomorrow. We don't want to be dickheads about it. So do that. Um, and uh, you'll hear the Q&A Tuesday, that discussion Wednesday, the rewatch on Thursday. And you'll have a shitload of other stuff as well. So all that. Uh, and the betting show as well this week because it's UFC 250. So you'll have the betting show on friday right graham this ufc 250 card um it's a very good card actually like we looked at it a couple of weeks ago and we're like what what the fuck's going on here this is a terrible card but then they added a few fights and i think it's very good it's one of these cards that it's very good for a hardcore i think but if you're looking at this card and you're like a casual and you're buying it like and you're saying oh okay amanda nunez fighting felicia spence or who's she it's like Oh, Cody Garbrandt, he was a he was a champion a while back. You know, if Aston so he's never been a champion. <laughs> and you've other guys, oh, these are just contenders coming through or whatever. But to me and to you, probably it looks like a fantastic card. Um, I'm not sure how well it'll do in the box office with other sports coming back and, and more things to do over in America. But uh, I suppose that's a, a discussion for afterwards. But um, what do you think of this Amanda Nunes-Felicia Spencer fight? Do you give Felicia Spencer any hope against Nunes at all? Well, we haven't really seen Nunes for that long against somebody of the size of Spencer, but I just think the the well roundedness and of of Nunes and she's just on a different level. I think to be honest, I think she should have not much, not many problems here. Yeah, yeah. I watched a bit of Felicia Spencer there yesterday, and obviously she's, she's very good on the ground, as you said, big and strong. I don't think she's. I think she's more strong than than big. I I always find it hard to um to analyze the size of people <laughs> they're in the cage alongside each other. I don't know why I'm it's just weird, but watching her boxing against uh Zion, what's her name, the last person she fought anyway, the Brazilian lady, um, it wasn't that she was getting boxed up per se, but she was fighting someone who was not a very well rounded mixed martial artist at all, and it was fifty fifty at best. You'd probably say, and now she's fighting Amanda Nunes. The, you know, where we talk about the the goat discussion in in the men's side of MMA. There's none in the female side of it. It's Amanda Nunes by a country mile, um, and it's very hard not to see Amanda Nunes just absolutely boxing her up. Really, like 
Uh, Spencer did a good job of Cyborg uh, against Cyborg of staying a little bit defensive and surviving and being tough. Um, and you know, would I be surprised if she did that against Nunes? I probably would be, to be honest. I think Nunes will will end up taking her apart. I think Nunes will will make it look easy, and I don't think it. Sh- I don't. I'd be very surprised if this w- <laughs> saw the over, whatever the over is. Uh, I don't think this will get five rounds. To be honest, I think um, I think Amanda Nunes will walk through her again and. And uh, be the first, the, or no, the second person, is it, to defend belts at two weights. Although, Daniel Cormier was the first, wasn't he? And Derek Lewis was his one, so does that really count? I don't think so. No. My man knew is the real goal. Um, yeah. Does this 145-pound women's division really that's a fucking, count that's a great, a that is a that's a great comeback <laughs> that's a very good point. Who's better, Felicia Spitzer or Derek Lewis? Hmm. Yeah, well, I, don't know. I think Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis probably is. Yeah, so I take it back. Sorry, Daniel. My apologies. Sorry, Danny. What, what was Bisping calling him? Was it Danny? <laughs> well, uh, uh, DC was calling him Mikey, which I it was funny. I thought I saw Ariel tweeting that. Well, uh, before we get into the rest of the card, the commentary last night, like I, I, I go back and forth on DC. I hate him when he's with Joe Rogan. He, I, I just think he tries to be as funny as Rogan. He tries to impress Rogan, and I hate it. Um. On his own, I think he's good most of the time. Apart from when he like tries to be funny, like I like natural kind of humor. I think maybe it's because, uh, and I like Bisping. I think maybe it's because he's from this side of the world, and we are more in tune with that humor and more in, less in tune with like the fake shit. Um, but I, I, I uh, Carmia was a little bit better last night because Bisping was kind of taking the piss out of him, and he was doing it back a little bit as well, and it was more natural. So I enjoyed that. But I thought like Bisping when he's in when he's in the uh in the in the boot with people and when he's in there by himself like he forces us to listen to like the technique um discussion because he that's what he does like he his commentary is he's commentating on the technique as it goes and what's happening as it goes like daniel um yeah and uh, he's not afraid to take the piss of himself he yeah. even mentioned about like luke rockhold one arm yeah exactly yeah. dc and dc was like oh yeah that's exactly it. that's like the natural that the you know the humor that's that's pure natural it's not just made up i like, like i love that but like i think dominic cruz i love dominic cruz but dominic cruz is only very good for a select group of people i think because it's very much he will go on about one thing for maybe a minute and a half and the rest of the fight's going on and he's you know he's, he's kind of still going on about that one thing which i like but i don't think everyone likes uh and dominic cruz as well has i think he's deteriorated a little bit just because of all this fucking judging thing he keeps getting stuck up on and referees and everything like that i just i don't know it's it's a bit weird i think he needs to just fix that but i like I think Bisping has improved an awful lot. I think he has the right um, mix of humor and technical now. So, like, uh, Bisping is up there. Like, the Cruz is always my favorite. I think Bisping is probably number one as well. I love Hardy. I don't think he gets ha- half enough. Um, I like Felder as well. Like, I don't hate DC either. I think he's probably the worst of them there at the moment, himself and Rogan. I, like, Rogan, I just think, is very annoying these days. But, D- like, DC, he can be very, very good and very, very bad. But, I don't know. What, what, what would your rankings be? Who would be your... What would how would you rank all the was it five commentators at the moment? Yeah, um, I yeah I probably should have Dominic Cruz, but uh, like, some like he's he is a bit hit and miss. Like sometimes he can kind of nail it, and other times he's shiting on about something, and you're just like Jesus, okay, I got it, I got it, let it go. Yeah, but um, yeah, but like um, I think it's with all of them. Sometimes you think God, oh, that was a really good broadcast, and sometimes it's not. It. it it also depends on, as you mentioned, who's who's with who and Rogan and DC, as you mentioned, it is kind of like, you know, trying to be, it's like a buddy comedy or something. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. Anyway, right. Let's get back to this UFC 250 card. What about this Rafael Lassensau Cody Garbrandt fight? I think this is a very, very interesting fight. Like we know Lassensau is good at kind of a very good counter puncher that just makes it awkward and everyone. Cody Garbrandt, a very good technical striker, but his chin has always been an issue and it's kind of destroyed his game a little bit at times. Um, Asensau not the biggest power puncher in the world. Do you think that'll play into Garbrandt's hands? Or do you, who do you fancy in this one? Like a few years ago, I probably would have went for Asensau, but I think, like I think he's kind of slowed down a little bit in the games, kind of evolved past his style. He, he he's very hard to look good against, but I think, um, I think he doesn't really have the the striking to. He shouldn't have the striking to to trouble. Garbrandt's slightly dodgy chin too much mm-hmm. but you know uh, it's a long time since since uh, Cody Garbrandt won a fight like Dominic Cruz in, in what was that three years ago more it's over more, four years ago more Jesus. four years ago like three or four years ago that's a long time ago um, but I do think I do think Garbrandt should have enough uh, he should be able to kind of move around and but yeah it's it that's a long time out, like three and a half years, and I know I know Asensio hasn't hasn't had a win in a couple of years either, uh, but he's been active and yeah, I I'd lean towards Cody Garbrandt, but it, it's also you're all you're always wary of of a really close split decision in an Asensio fight. He's got a real talent for making a kind of his dirty kind of grinding fight. Mm-hmm. But if if Garbrandt fights smart, I think he he, sh- he should win. Yeah, I find it hard to know. I think I think a big thing as well about this is there was talks of Cody Garbrandt going fighting a Mark Henry, and I'm never very good at keeping up with this. But I'm looking at his Instagram here, and his last one he was with uh, his last picture, he's with Uriah Faber and all the all of that team. So. Um, whether he's gone there or not, he's with Chris Holdsworth and all the rest. I'm looking through his Instagram and doesn't seem to be any pictures with Mark Henry. So maybe it's because of the pandemic he's has to stay close to home and do all of that. But um, although I go back a little bit and go back to March and he's with fucking Eddie Alvarez and Frank Edgar, so maybe he's doing a bit a bit of both. So it's interesting to see how that works out for him as well. Like Mark Henry, I think is a very good technical um coach. All of his fighters like throw punches and kicks and stuff very well. Uh, I think it's game planning is the issue with him. So maybe if he can get the game planning from one camp and the technical improvements from Mark Henry it could work out very well for him but it could work out the other way around as well and it might work out great for him but I don't, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this fight I'm, I really don't know who's going to win it I really I really really don't but um, yeah, it's going to be fun the best fight in this card I think by Country Mile is uh, Algerman Sterling versus uh, Corey Sandhagen uh, I watched a video that Jack Slack did the other day of Corey Sandhagen what was it like the filthy casuals guide to Corey Sandhagen I thought it was very good I don't think we've given Corey Sandhagen enough love to be honest one of the lads there on the Zoom a couple of weeks ago Boba Belde Scotland's finest came on and he was giving out to us for not talking enough about Corey Sandhagen and I think he's right and I think a lot of people are like Corey Sandhagen is a very very good fighter he's a beautiful jab inside technical striking is really good and Algerman Sterling is a very good fighter as well his striking has improved an awful lot he's kind of a funky striker as he calls himself a very good wrestler as well this is this is the elite of the elite fighting each other here without a belt. This is one of the best fights you can get in the UFC without a belt being on the line. Um, and, you know, with Jan versus Aldo fighting for the belt, it looks like, which we might talk about in a few seconds, this is probably a number one contender fight. What do you think of this fight? Who do you think will, uh, who do you think will win him? Yeah, this is, this is a tough fight to pick. Like, it's really, both guys are really good. And, like, Aljamain Sterling probably has, I probably think he's, slightly better but he's inconsistent so 
it's a really tough one. Um, I'd probably, I'd probably lean, I'd probably lean towards uh, Sandhagen just, Me just too. due to Sterling's sliding inconsistency, inconsistency. But if if Sterling went out there and put it all together and and won handily enough or won convincingly, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, like I think the thing about this when you're looking at someone like Sandhagen and Sterling as well, and you look at like their, so I'm looking at Sterling here, his last few opponents, uh, Pedro Munoz, Jimmy Rivera, Cody Saman, Brett Johns, Marlon Moraes, Shinnebro, none of those people are like Sandhagen, you know, and you, you could look at Sandhagen, I'm sure everyone will, and it's the same thing, this is one of those fights where we won't know what's going to happen until we get in there, like, I, I feel like, if this was five rounds, it might be a little bit of a different fight. I feel like over three rounds, it suits Sandhagen. Uh, I think he's extra pace, he's extra output. And I, like, both guys can hit hard, but I don't think it's going to be one of those fights where, and may, I could be completely and utterly wrong here now, but I don't. I think it's going to go to the decision, and I don't think it's going to be one of those fights where there's multiple knockdowns. I think it's going to be good technical striking. Um, and I think, I think Corey Sandhagen will land more shots and um, and <laughs> this is going against my whole judging thing. But I, I when I when the big shots aren't landed, that's what's going to win you the fight. So I think that'll probably win Sandhagen the fight. This could also be a fight where it comes down to if you get a takedown with a minute left and you land 10, 11 shots on top, if you're Aljamain Sterling, you could steal a close round. So, <laughs> you know, I'm going against all the judging for Mrs. here, but you know what I mean? I, I, I think it's going to be one of those very good, close, back-and-forth fights, and I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. So I can't wait. Um... Other than that, then Neil Magny versus Rocco Martin or Anthony Martin. I refuse to call him Rocco. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I let that out. Uh, Eddie Wineland <laughs> versus. That's a good point as well. It's, yeah, a it is, yeah. to, it's a hard one to pick. Like I think Neil Magny's always kind of been underrated, but Rocco mm-hmm. uh, Rocco looked good. Uh, looked good recently, even in his loss to Damian Maya. Uh, yeah. He looked good, so yeah, that's a, that's an interesting little fight as well. It's hard to charge now who's going to win that one. Yeah, and uh, finishing out a very, very good, or starting out even, a very good main card, Eddie Wine versus Sean O'Malley. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I like this fight. People were giving out about it, saying it's Eddie Wine and it isn't good matchmaking for Sean O'Malley, and he's gone a little bit further than that. Which I, I think it's good. What do you think of it? Um, yeah, well, I, I think it's a, it's a nice fight for Sean O'Malley. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, obviously, Wineland's well known but he's kind of he's, he's a little bit over the hill uh, past his peak mm-hmm. but he's still he's still a dangerous guy like it's not a it's, it's not a gimme fight so it's not like egregious matchmaking or anything like that yeah I think it's good I, I think it's a good name to have on it uh, on your record a former WEC champion if you're Sean O'Malley coming through I think I think there's nothing wrong with this um, Chase Hooper versus Alex Caceres I think that's a very interesting fight it's a similar <laughs> sort of fight like it's yeah. hard to know what you're going to get from yeah, uh, Alex Caceres <laughs> It like is. Chase Hooper is kind of the, the safer pick there, but Bruce Leroy or um, Alice Caceres can kind of, you know, he can turn up and, and look a lot better than you expect sometimes. And other times he can go out there and just just make stupid mistakes. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd probably lean towards Chase Hooper there, but there's always that chance that uh, Alice Caceres will uh, come out and perform. Yeah, after I backed Alex Caceres to beat Cron Gracie and he just like threw himself into a fucking yeah. submission after 30 seconds, I can't trust him anymore. Well, that's, <laughs> all, that's always the way with Alex Caceres though, you never yeah. know which one's going to turn up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he could he could win this fight, but yeah, I'd, I'd pick Chase Hooper as well. Andrew McGahan's favourite fighter because he does jiu-jitsu or something. Um, another very good fight, Ian Heinich versus Gerald Marshart in the middleweight division. That's about as good as you're getting like mid-term middleweight division, so I like that fight as well. Cody Saman against Brian Keller, Ireland's own coming back after fucking two or three weeks since he last fought 
Love great fight as well. That is um, Charles Bird versus Mackie Patolo. Alex Perez versus Juicy Farmiga. I like that fight as well. Yeah, that's a really good yeah. fight. Uh, like, uh, I don't know. Like Farmiga's obviously extremely uh, dangerous in jiu-jitsu and he's 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 well rounded. But I probably I don't know. I think Perez might might have enough to get the job done here. Yeah, Perez. Oh, I'm just looking at his record here. He's 12 wins by decision and nothing else is close. You know, Farmiga, if you have that many wins by decision, especially in the UFC as well, you just know you're kind of well-rounded like when you're and you're fighting guys who who uh, have all different uh, attributes. So yeah, like for me, as we know about Farmiga, like obviously very good, uh, a very good jiu-jitsu guy. He's been around for a long time uh, as well. Lost to Brandon Marino and... and uh, uh, Joseph Benavidez in his last fight, but beat the champion, uh, champion elect anyway, uh, Davidson Figueiredo before that beat Sergio Pettis as well. So he's a very, very good fighter and right up there as well near the near the top of the uh, the UFC flyer ranking. So yeah, I can know. see this being a, a really close decision either way. But mm-hmm. I have a sneaky feeling that maybe Perez might might win this, okay. even though on paper you, you'd have to. You'd have to go for Miga. It'd be a good, it'd be a good win for the division, I think, as well. If Perez did win it, because maybe he'd like emerge as the the next contender. But you know, maybe he's a yeah. bit off that still. But yeah, they need like fresh blood in there. You know, there's only so, so many times you can put Joe Benavidez in in main events. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that 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 fight is happening now. Like Joseph Benavidez fighting Figueroa, they're making that fight again. So uh, it's when when you miss weight, okay, it's very bad. But when you destroy someone the way he did. It's and I know there was that head clash and everything as well, but um, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. What before we uh, before we finish up? What do you think of the 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 yeah the Cristiano Ronaldo fight? Is I like to call it uh, Yan versus Pirian versus Jose Aldo. Like it's bizarre that they keep giving Jose Aldo this bantamweight title fight when he's zero on one in bantamweight. Well, if it was a league system, which we know it isn't, then it would make very little sense. But the fact that Aldo is very well known, you know, for years, 10 years undefeated, uh, obviously the Connor fight and, and UC 200, like, you know, he's, people people know who he is. And if he if Peter Yang goes out there and beats Aldo, then people will be like, oh, this Peter Yang guy. And, and yeah. if Aldo wins, then, you know, Aldo already has a big fan base and you can you can have a lot of fresh matchups for Aldo and mm-hmm. you can make it if somebody goes out and beats Aldo then it's, it, it, I think it makes sense yeah it makes sense from that point of view it also makes sense from the point like it's if let's say Peter Yan beat Aljamain Sterling and won the title it's just like one contender beating another contender this feels like it's a yeah. contender beating a for, champion for casual it would be like oh, <laughs> yeah. two guys why are these guys fighting for the belt we, I don't mm-hmm. know who these are but when if somebody goes out there and beats Aldo or even if somebody has a really good fight with Aldo you know people would well, you know, have a lot more respect because they know the, the Aldo's a known quantity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like I don't agree with the matchmaking at all. And yeah, I, I, like I feel like Aldo is not the biggest draw in the world either from that point of view. But from I don't know, it's and the point of view that I just put, uh, put out there that it's like a, a challenger being a champion. Okay, that makes a little bit of sense, but I don't know. Still, it it's very odd. It just seems very odd. Maybe it's because of it has to happen on Fight Island and they want to keep the Americans fighting in America. They probably just want to get Aldo as champion at 135 so they can put Frank Yeager against him for yeah. the title show. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, see fucking, you'll see McGregor going on the fucking... <laughs> going on the one chicken a day diet trying to get down to 135 <laughs> to make it. What you, okay, what, what do you think will be next for Conor McGregor actually now that we uh, now that we brought him up? Like he was talking a lot this week and Anderson Silva fight as well. Uh, Usman called him out Usman offered him the fight and Ali Abdelaziz as well what, what, where do you think McGregor will fight next what do you think he'll do 
It's hard to know. Like Gaethje was on the, the mentioned on the on the Rogan podcast, mm-hmm. and he was saying that basically Ali, his, the manager, is a manager of Habib and and Justin Gaethje. So he said they can basically you know do it when they want, and they're looking at September because it suits both of them. Mm-hmm. So that would probably mean that yeah, Connor would want to not want to be waiting until you know the end of the year December or January or something so it makes sense to go in there like you mentioned Pettis before I could see that but I don't see any kind of traction behind that Mm -hmm. Uh, the Masvidal thing had a bit of traction um, and could easily pick up traction again but it, it you know, it's hard to know because will you want to fight at 170 or 155? This is just the coronavirus, all this stuff. It's just, it's really hard to know uh, what's going to happen next. And obviously, you mentioned Usman. There's always Diaz, but I think that's that should be done later. Um, there's no fight that really stands out as you need to make this this fight. Mm-hmm. I don't think, like, how can Conor McGregor always have so many options? <laughs> it's actually crazy. Like, he can fight... Anyone, well, that's the thing like, about 170, yeah. you know, when 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 he, he decided to fight at 170, people are like, ah, oh, what are you doing? But then it does, you know, if he yeah. didn't do that, Usman wouldn't be offering him a title shot and Masvidal wouldn't be, you know, a front runner or whatever in people's minds. It's just, it, it is our options. Like, yeah. the more options, the better. Like, I was talking, I think, on the Q&A this week about the Usman fight. I feel like, okay, McGregor's going to be a huge underdog, I think, against Usman. He's just so much bigger and really good wrestler and everything like that. Um... Uh, like, do you think if he went in that to that fight, let's say he lost it, and I know you'd probably pick him to win, but anyway, if he lost that fight, do you think it'd take the shine off him a little bit, or do you think he'd go immediately back down to 155 and still be in the same position that he is now, let's say, or one, say, let's say one fight away from fighting Habib again, maybe? Well, I think, if, he, if for example, if he loses and comes back down, he'll need to win a fight at 155 impressively to get that kind of mm-hmm. back. It will take the shine off for a little bit, but you can all, you can all, always get it back because it's a different division against a horrible style matchup and all that, and people's mind, uh, people will justify it in their minds and be able to just kind of write it off as uh, kind of nothing to do with the... Well, not nothing to do with, but very little to do with the, the picture at 155. I wonder... You know, Habib's father is very sick now as well. Um... And like I don't know how quick Habib will want to be coming back to fighting. As you say, there it's it's almost we're in the the six month of the year now, and they want to fight in the nine month of the year. So that's three months away. Like if Habib's father's still sick for another while, like is Habib going to be in training and going to be getting ready? Like is he going to be ready for September? And if he's not, like does it make sense to make McGregor versus Gaethje then for the interim title that Gaethje holds now? And I'm sure the UFC would love that because if McGregor beat Gaethje and he was a champion and Habib was a champion. That's the biggest fight in the history of the sport right there again in a huge grudge match rematch with two champions. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, if Habib doesn't fight in September, that'll be over a year that he hasn't fought. Like, will, And will they be talking about stripping him? I don't know. Did, did Habib not fight recently? No, how am I gone mad? He did, didn't fought he? fought Poirier in September, but if he doesn't fight in September this oh, year... Yeah, he didn't, yeah. He was supposed to fight uh, Ferguson, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think they would. I, I Like, I think... With the interim... They won't with, because there's an interim title there as well. I think they'll just let Gaethje uh, fight on for it. But another thing... With McGregor or if they might well, say to Habib, you either fight or, or we take your belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dana's not really one for sentiment. Maybe, but I yeah, I, I don't think they will yet, especially when there's an interim champion. But what's the crack? I mean, I don't know if you know or not, or if you can say, but is McGregor back training like that? Like in Ireland, the gyms are not allowed open until August, but I see some gyms are like out training in parks and things like that. And I, I think in in England, they're allowing them back shortly. And from June 1st, sport is allowed back. So I think, I don't know, is Ireland a bit when, short? When, when, that, is, when is it in Ireland? The gym's back open, open. Is there a date for it? August. August, yeah, yeah. but I, I, maybe that has gotten changed. I think it'll be revised, yeah. if, if, uh, 
and nobody really knows I suppose but yeah it's- yeah I, I like I don't know what's gonna happen so we'll I suppose we'll with everything around this time we'll uh, we'll wait and see uh, we, we must yeah, it seems like the, you know yeah. the, the opinions around what's going on with the coronavirus like it can change at any moment things could open earlier they could open later or they could open as, as scheduled it's just kind of really hard to know and obviously Dana White's talking about Fight Island and all that stuff but nobody really knows where that where that's at um, obviously yeah. Dana White would like to go forward with it but if things open up earlier than expected in America will he will he bother like if if for example international fighters are allowed to come if there's a date set for them to come back into America soon then that'll probably get scrapped so it's it's all up in the air really mm-hmm. yeah it is it really is yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen there's a lot of talk about it being uh, Yaz Island uh, which is like it's not exactly like this tiny little island in the middle of the uh, <laughs> in the middle of the the place. I think uh, its population. I'm just looking here. It's eight thousand four hundred. So it's like a big town or something. So yeah, it's uh, I, and I know I'm not. Uh, I, it's it hasn't been confirmed that it's that. But yeah, like that's that's a very interesting thing. So like if like there's going to be countries very soon allowing crowds back in. Like that's just going to happen very soon. So like why would let's say if it's Sweden or somewhere, why would they not just bring loads of fights to Sweden and put fights on there like or wherever America's it's going to do? Fight Island, bro. Fight Island, bro. Yeah, Fight Island. But sure, look. Anyway, they should bring it to Papua New Guinea. I think there was only one case there, and no deaths. That's that's where they should bring it. But anyway, right. Uh, these places, though, it's I don't know. All places, it's hard to know how much they're testing, and you know. Um, that's true. Yeah, it's just so hard to know what's going on. <laughs> it is, it is. But sure, look, it's a tumultuous time for the world and fucking... I don't know. I don't know what's happening, Graham. It's madness altogether, but sure, look. Actually, they're playing They're playing the Notorious uh, on Sky Sky Sports main event on, on Tuesday evening, oh, if, really? people, if people want to, to watch. You're getting fucking cash money for that, yeah? You're going to buy it? <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> Uh, they're actually starting like a Sky Sports documentaries or something so maybe it'll be on that as well afterwards I don't know but yeah soccer coming back as well what do you think Liverpool going to be crowned champions in front of no people yeah well they're, they're talking about doing neutral venues um, because they for for Liverpool games they, should, they, they yeah. possibly win the title at so yeah they should do it at Old Trafford <laughs> yeah that, that would, <laughs> you know what I'd, I'd give you that one I'd give you that one in fairness yeah yeah, that that's actually. But uh, the problem with that is, do you think, although it is a shoddy stadium, it probably wouldn't yeah, be able to handle a, uh, well, a uh, lot of fans. Let's say they, <laughs> wherever they did, let's say they did it at Villa Park. Like, would you not think Liverpool fans would just travel to Villa Park anyway? I think they probably would. Like, no, do it in Yaz um, Island. Yeah. <laughs> do it in fucking Fight Island. Fly him out. Yeah, I don't know. It's. It's. A, I'm a bit sad for Liverpool. Like I like. I, I know I slag Liverpool and everything like that. But there is. There will be an asterisk alongside this for for all of time, and it's a little bit sad. Like as someone who was a Limerick Harlem fan for years, and we won the best All Ireland of all time. It was just you couldn't make it any better. Like for Liverpool, you've been waiting for so long, and it's just going to be shitty for you. I kind of feel a little bit sorry for you. How How are you feeling about it? I, I don't think it's going to be shitty at all. It's going to be great. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Come on, sure the season's basically over. Like I, who who are Liverpool? Well, the season, playing, you, like? you wrote the season off and. September yeah. or something didn't you <laughs> uh, well, like, this should have been just like a an easy little ride for you a little little trot into the title but now it's just like fucking pandemics three months the season should have been over by now sure the season's over Liverpool are not champions so therefore you're not champions you didn't win it so well that's not that's not correct it all. is correct like it's it's June 1st tomorrow sure the season ends and like Sure, the Champions League final was Saturday. So Stop living in the past. The times have changed. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm, I am not living in the past. Let's move forward to next season. Last season was null and void. Let's just forget about it. 
absolutely ridiculous <laughs> you see the thing is the thing is like um the, that, that was suggested obviously that like you know just scrap the season start again but the thing is wh- when do you start again and why would you why would you not just you know it, it, it okay the season starts in july usually and ends in or or ends in uh, may or june usually but mm-hmm. that's that's just a tradition thing there's no real reason for that like it's you can have it any time you can have it as a year calendar you can have it any time so it, it i know it's a tradition and all and that's the way it was before but things change yeah i think the problem is with contracts and like egal or no man you're having problems because he's on loan and like the likes of david silva with man city where his contract is up and now they're gonna have to extend it and things I, I, what's the big issues maybe you've heard this but i haven't heard i don't i don't really listen to soccer podcasts or anything but what are they gonna do with the champions league like okay some leagues are coming back but like the french league now is gone like that that's finished and like okay Liverpool are the the English league is coming back. Uh, the Spanish league is coming back. The German league is back, but other leagues are not going to be back. Like, what are they? Are they just going to scrap the Champions League and the Europa League? Or what? Will, you, have you any so idea? I think I think the Champions League is too much of a money maker just to scrap. So I, I haven't heard what the situation is going to be. But maybe they could do just a neutral one legged instead of two legged matches to speed it up. But I haven't. I haven't. I haven't heard. I haven't really been. Uh, keeping up on I haven't the podcast or whatever the, the the news stories I've seen have all been about the Premier League and all about the yeah. individual leagues and not really about the, the Champions League or the Europa League me too I've been finding it very hard to keep up with everything like I and I suppose maybe we shouldn't do it and it's a privilege to do it to avoid the news a little bit it's just like there's just too much now there's just fucking too much someone asked me the other day about the situation going on in America a couple of days ago and I was like I, I haven't really heard that much about it to be honest I heard about the uh, George Floyd I think is his name that he got killed and stuff but there, I didn't I hadn't really heard about all the uh, the riots and everything like that until yesterday when I was on Twitter during the fights and I saw all about it I was like Jesus it's fucking madness going on over there but like it's it's a weird time in the world for like news in sports and outside of sports. I think people are trying to be more picky about the news that they get because you like you just get it'll just drag you down like you know it just it just, it just will and I don't know how I got into soccer from that but yeah it's uh, I think I think a lot of people just, are trying just to because soccer has been dragging you down because money are terrible. <laughs> anyway, Liverpool we, are, no, are brilliant. We got better there a while back. We're we're getting fucking took out a hundred forty million. You're battling with Sheffield United for a place at the table. Sheffield like. United are good. I told you Sheffield United were good, and you denied it there a while back in the podcast. So, so you had them getting relegated, no? Yeah, I had, yeah. But like Graham, this is what scientists do. We change our opinion with new facts that emerge. So that's exactly what I did. Sheffield United, very good team. There's no such thing as, as facts in, in science, Sean. It's exactly, theory. Exactly. New. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but anyway. Um, what would you do? Here's a question. And I suppose this has gone madly off topic. Would you cash in now on Mo Salah and ty- sign Team of Werner and replace him? No, I'd, I'd sign Team of Werner um, as well. We definitely need. Um, options you know for example uh it's been lucky really that like okay Salah and Mane have been out for like a month or two here and there mm-hmm. and Firmino but uh, no real long-term injuries but if we were to get a long-term injury like Origi is is a good player to bring on to kind of shake things up or to against certain teams like you know uh, he's brilliant against Everton for example <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the kind of shit teams but Ooh. um yeah, but like That's you know, at the, he is like, but at the at the, top, at the very top level, like he, uh, game in game out, he's not going to be good enough. So you need you need to have an option there. Who would you start? Who or who would you drop for Werner? Or would you have Werner as a sub? 
Well, like, yeah, Werner would have to definitely work his way in, in there. Like, But certain games, you know, where Liverpool are on top all the time, um, you could see for maybe Firmino Ooh. playing in midfield instead. Because oh, well, he, he did drop into midfield a lot last season. Yeah, um, that's true. Like, he, he always did under Klopp, but even more um, last season. So it, maybe that was a part of the thinking to kind of acclimatise him to that. Have you been watching much German football? Uh, not really. I watched a, a little bit the first couple of the weekends, but uh, no, I haven't. I for some reason I've seen like two or three um, Leverkusen games, and this Kai Havertz is fucking fantastic. He is. Oh brilliant. yeah, Liverpool have been linked with him a lot. I've seen like YouTube videos and stuff, but I, I haven't watched. Um, I, I think I've seen him in a couple of full games, but I uh, not. I haven't watched him close enough. But from all the the reports and stuff, he and. Obviously, YouTube can make anybody look good or whatever, yeah. but he looks to looks to be a, a real class act. Apparently, he's more of a, like a midfielder or a, an attacking midfielder, and can play like maybe not holding midfielder as well, but maybe like a pog barrel or something like that. But he's been playing up front for Leverkusen. I don't know their striker must be injured or something. But he like his finishing is really good. His link up play is really good. He's skillful, big, strong, fast. Like I just, he's very, very good. Werner is obviously very good as well. He looks at he, one game actually. I watched him; he looked terrible. Didn't the other game? He scored like five goals, but it's hard to know. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, it's, it can happen. But yeah, yeah, I think like you know, obviously uh, he's eager to join Liverpool as well. He's kind of rejected um, yeah, other offers, and uh, Klopp is kind of known to do uh, improve players as well. Like if you look yeah. at like a lot of look at nearly all the Liverpool players that from when yeah. Klopp came in, they've, same, they've improved. same with Solskjaer, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pogba, like you know, he's classy, ah, looking well, dead, he's looking lethal under under. <laughs> last cause that fucker, and that David De Gea fella, he's he's back on top uh, of his game. Look, look, <laughs> look how good, look how good Dean Henderson has become since uh, Solskjaer took over, best goalkeeper in England, arguably. So. I think that's more to do with a different manager for Sheffield <laughs> and a different United see, manager. Sheffield United, I told you Sheffield United class. See, we're, I see it's all coming around. It's all coming up, Shawnee. Mason Greenwood's gone fantastic. Martial is would, would you swap United managers if you could? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would actually. Yeah, I think I think Chris Wilder is a good manager. So yeah, I would. I like his no nonsense style. Like where, where, like obviously Dean Henderson made like about ten like really good saves against oh Liverpool God. the first season, and then he dropped that one in his net. He's like, oh well, like you know, yeah. if you want to play for Man United, you you'd have to do a lot better than that. Yeah. The guy had like one mistake after like a really game of his life. Yeah, you have to, you have to. Like, what did you think of the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen? The Liverpool uh, team and manager standing to clap for Steven Gerrard and he's fortieth birthday when Gerrard wasn't even there. The most embarrassing thing I've ever. seen I didn't even see that actually. Oh my and... God, embarrassing. So. Such a Liverpool Tree, thing. You, too, like. you, you love Stephen Jared. Stephen Jared and Klopp, your two favourite. Someone, um, someone put managers. up. A, someone put up a very good stat the other day. See, if, if Would you, you add, take Jared over over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? No, I wouldn't. If you put, if you add the amount of Premier Leagues right, that Solskjaer or not Solskjaer, uh, Scholes, Keane, Carrick, and Anderson won right, and then you take away Stephen Gerrard's age, you get uh, the amount of uh, Premier League trophies that Stephen Gerrard won, which is zero. So that's <laughs> <laughs> sure when Man City get uh, get done by the quarter of rotation, they could be handing Jared a, a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be class, Jamie Carragher. Oh god! It, like I almost hope when Liverpool are going to win it, but it's kind of funny that Gerard and Carragher don't win it. I'm, I'm extremely petty, obviously here, but it's you can still sing the song. Have you ever seen Gerard win they, the league? They won. They, they won the, the the Champions League, the the nah, Continental Trophy. Obviously, Gerard won the league over in uh, America as well, didn't he? 
Ah, sure. who cares about that? LA Galaxy. Provincially, domestically, small small potatoes. Yeah, exactly. Man United are going to win the FA Cup. Are we still in it? I can't even remember. I think we are. I think we are. We're going to win the UEFA Cup as well. Going to be class. Man United are going to have a better season in Liverpool this year. Year out of everything else, aren't you? Europa League. That like it's a real sign of a good team, isn't it? That they can win multiple trophies. Like Liverpool, they won one cup competition last year, and well, won the league this year. Fair play to them, but they just can't hack and it. And the like, world, the world club. <laughs> the <cup> world. <laughs> Charity World Shield. Champions. The World Charity Shield. Fair play to you. Oh, I hope you fucking earned money for coronavirus. Fuck's sake. Fair play to you. That, that, that's all you get out of it. Help people around the world. <laughs> Your Charity Shield. <laughs> fucking shower of bastards. Super Cup. It's great. We're getting back. The world, nature is healing, isn't it? <laughs> slagging each other about soccer again nature is healing but uh yeah right we better end it there i suppose we've got about 25 minutes longer than we were uh attempting to but graham stay safe i hope the the hay fever um uh heals up with you best to all the family friends everything like that shouts to everyone in dublin i love you all i know you we have some tumultuous <laughs> times between us at times but it's all in good spirits man city fans liberal fans love you all god bless thanks everyone for listening and all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week. Life is so beautiful, but sometimes we forget to look. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or probably Sunday.